and welcome to the third and penultimate edition of the SBK Daily Cheltenham Festival podcast. My name is Tom Collins and again I'm joined by SBK betting podcast regular Ross Miller. Ross, we're halfway through now, 14 races done, 14 to go. Unlike the first day, which seemed to absolutely fly by, the Wednesday was full of controversy, a um, bit of drama along the way as well. But before we get into that, how did you get on with your bets? Yeah, so Lon Presse was, was, a, was a big one for me today and, and uh, so that's nudging me ahead now cautiously optimistic at the halfway stage but got the hill to climb <laughs> exactly yeah Lompresse another one that we've both uh, fancied that's gone in maybe our our tide is turning and we're picking winners together um I also had uh, Fassar Vega in the bumper I think he's going to be spectacular over hurdles maybe he's the supreme winner in waiting what do you reckon he, he was absolutely monstrous wasn't he um, you know, I'm sure the ground went against a few, but I think he could have won on the road and he could have won on a ploughed field. He just looked immense. And, you know, the regard they hold the runner up in and he mm-hmm. went past him like he was stood still. So, yeah, I think he's he's his, his, his mother's boy and uh, it's exciting to see what we've got to look forward to uh, in the years ahead. Yeah, exactly. Quavega was a Chatham specialist. She won at the festival five or six times. I'm not too sure. But Fasar Vega has got plenty of years ahead of him. Maybe he'll repeat the feat, um, obviously taking bumper form, moving it towards... Hurdles isn't a guarantee, but Willie Mullins knows what he's doing with this kind of horse. Before we uh, get into the other action, let's talk about one of the major talking points for us, which was the ground. The decision to water on Tuesday night. Um, I don't think there was too much fuss about that on, on Twitter, but uh, obviously as the rain started falling and the ground deteriorated, there was a lot of furore about that decision. What did you make about the decision to water and the ground at the end of uh, the day of racing on Wednesday? Well, so the, the ground clearly got desperate, but it's a winter sport. They race on it through the winter, so I don't have a huge issue with that. Um, and I don't have an issue with him watering. The issue I have is the lack of communication. You know, they, they, they've got plenty of streams of uh, media channels now. They can get its information out there. And I just think it's a poor show that punters that are making their selections the night before aren't aware of the fact that we're putting five miller down, rain, uh, water down when there's rain forecast. And there's lots of ways we can do it. Horse welfare is really important, and, and it's never been more important to demonstrate to the wider public that, that racing takes it seriously. They water in for a welfare point of view. So why they wouldn't make more of a public sort of effort to get that across is beyond me. And I, I think he's not covered himself in glory. It's unfortunate that the amount of rain came, but I don't think he can be held accountable for that. Um, I thought it was very gracious of Nicky Henderson to sort of just say that's, that's racing. You know, the ground had clearly gone against Shishkin. Um, but it's a winter sport and, and it was winter ground. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm agreeing with you. Um, I didn't think the ground was going to get anywhere near as bad as it did. I don't think anyone thought that, actually. Obviously, the, the clerk of the course didn't by the fact he watered. Um, it was attritional by the end of racing. They had to dull off a few hurdles so that the horses couldn't run through them for the bumper, which, in my opinion, was uh, you know a bit of fuss about nothing. They should have just run. They do it at Punchestown. I saw a brilliant picture on, on Twitter of the Punchestown Festival um, in the bumper where they were just splashing through the water. It would have been safe out there. Jane Mangum was brilliant on racing TV with what she said. Um, anyway, let's move on from the ground. Hopefully it's good on the new course tomorrow. We're switching to the new course from the old course. I imagine we're going to get fresh ground for the first couple of races and then who knows how much it'll cut up. But um, yes, yeah, so we're going to, we're back onto the new course, but let's go back to t- yesterday's racing. Some good performances, Ross. So Gerhard in the Ballymore, I thought was fantastic. Lon Presser, who we've already discussed um, in the Brown Advisory, Energamine in the Champion Chase, Fasal Vega in the bumper. Who was your best performance? My best performance was 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 the man of the season, Charlie Deutsch. I thought the road rider gave Lompresse was just 
exemplary and exemplifies what he's done all season. Um, but to do it on that big stage obviously takes that a little bit more. Um, he's reminded me more and more of Ruby Walsh to offence every time I watch him. Um, I think he's got a huge future. So Gerhard was a monstrous performance, but down the back, I was thinking they probably kicking themselves that they're running Sir Gerhard over an extra half mile because he was fierce keen the whole way. And the amount he found from the back of the last suggests he's as good as everyone thought he was. Where do they go with him next? I think they'll probably be quite keen to avoid Constitutional Hill, uh, Constitution Hill, so there may be fences. And he is a seven-year-old, so perhaps they want to hang around too long with hurdles. Um, and Energy Mean was a worthy winner. I think, okay, Shishkin bombing out and, and Chak and Porsois losing Patrick at the top of the hill takes away from the depth of the race. But he started to go and do it himself, you know, uh, and he did. It was only a length between him and Shishkin at Ascot. So he's, it's not like a, a second-rate horse has won a champion chase. It's perhaps won a diminished champion chase, but he's still a, a very worthy winner. Yes, as you touched on there, Nergamine. Um, let's talk about the champion chase in more depth. I was very impressed with the Nergamine. As you mentioned, it was good that he went on and did it. And I liked the new tactics, actually. I messaged in the WhatsApp group, like, what are they doing? Surely this wasn't the plan. But I liked how he settled in the race, and he seemed to be a completely different horse rather than just bombing from the front, which we've seen on all of his previous starts. Obviously, Shishkin didn't turn up. Um, Nicky Henderson was quick to, to blame the ground, said he couldn't even raise a gallop in the early stages. He jumped really poorly. Um, he looked bomb-proof prior to the champion chase. What did you think about his performance? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people onto the Twitter are, are quick to throw stones at it. Can't just be the grounder. You know, some horses just don't like that ground. And you could see from a very early stage, he couldn't raise a gallop. He couldn't jump out of it. It didn't suit him. You wonder whether it's the last time we see him at two miles, because he did have a tough race at, at Ascot to, to keep up with uh, energy mean in the early stages. He's a strong stayer, maybe two and a half miles at Aintree now, and then perhaps the King George to target next year. So it wouldn't be surprised me at all if we don't see him at two miles again. It shocks me with how bad he ran, but as you mentioned, the ground can cause horses just to just to not raise a gallop. Um, he was a bit disappointed for me. I thought he would at least show up for some portion of the race, but then again, look, if he didn't handle the ground at all and couldn't jump, then he's never going to be able to feature in a race full of grade one horses. He's becoming more like Altior, I think, as the years go on. Uh, maybe Nicky Henderson's training regimes keep these top level chases in the same direction, keep moving these top level chases in the same direction. Um, interesting to see where we see him next, as you say. The final talking point in this section is the cross-country chase. Now, this race doesn't normally become a talking point. It's normally a race where people go and get a Guinness or some food. But this was all about Tiger Roll. He was looking for a fourth win in this race, a dual Grand National winner. We were hoping he was going to bow out of his career on a high. I don't think he should have been running in this race as his last race anyway. And the fact that he was beaten by stable companion Delta Work, I think, well, I mean, the crowd booed the result, which just said it all. What did you make of the cross-country chase? Oh, TC, what's that make of the cross-country chase? Um, I've never been... It was an exciting race. Mm -hmm. I've never been so deflated at the end of a race that I had no financial investment in in my <laughs> life. Um, what a grand little horse. But you have to say the owners have campaigned him in the most idiotic manner, uh, to choose my words politely, you can possibly imagine. And they've tarnished what could be a, a great legacy he arguably could have already won three Grand Nationals, could be going for his fourth. He's won two cross-country chases. Um, and if they hadn't run Delta Work, he'd have won a third. And the bottom line is they've completely undone their argument. He was beaten three quarters of a length by a 160 rated horse, and he's rated 161. So you would suggest that his handicap mark is absolutely bang on. The handicapper's got it right. They've got it wrong. And they've 
would rather throw in their toys out the pram and it's it's not something I've enjoyed watching and and in some ways I'm glad he's retiring because it means that we haven't got to listen to them bleat on about it anymore. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. I completely agree. Um, I also had no financial investment in the race. I wanted Tiger Roll to win. Like everyone wanted Tiger Roll to win. The fact that they were, ugh, I mean, the whole the whole scenario is just a disaster. He was supposed to be going out on a high. This is the most loved horse in racing. Jumps all flat. And the fact he's been beaten by a stable companion in the cross-country chase, not even the Grand National, the cross-country chase to end his career. I mean, it's just stupid. He should have run in the Grand National, in my opinion, to end his brilliant legacy. He would have been a horse that everyone would have remembered for years. I'm sure they will, but not all for the right notes, I don't think. Um, and the boos from the crowd were... Uh, reflective of everyone's mood. Um, anyway, moving on to the Thursday action, um, hopefully less drama and, and controversy there. Oh, more drama, TC, more <laughs> drama. We love it. Okay, we love it. Yeah, we do. Not, no, no drama from the O'Leary's. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Yeah. Um, the Thursday features to stay as hurdle. It looks like a great punting heat. Florian Porter's the current favourite. He's won this race before. Classical Dreams in there for Willie Mullins. The brilliant Paisley Park, Time Hill, um, lead the British contingent. It's a very trappy and tricky event, Ross. Who do you like? <laughs> I'm still none the wiser. When we when we did the, the the first sort of review podcast, I said, "Ask me, and I'll change my mind." <laughs> uh, I was with Paisley Park then. Um, I'm not sure the soft ground. I know there's a school of thought that soft ground suits him. I'm I'm just not as convinced. Um, I'm probably leaning at this moment in time more towards Champ, but it's probably a race. I'll end up. I've got an anti post on Champ and an anti post on Paisley Park. I probably sit this one out marginally with champ at the moment i think he might just handle this softer ground a bit better than than some the one you would say perhaps is worth considering is this nagar oscar won it on soft ground um he's been slightly underwhelming but he's, he's not run disgracefully so wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of an upset and if it was possibly him yeah and if, if this nagar oscar wins that'll be a phenomenal story he'll be all over the papers the front page of the papers because he's wearing the uh, ukraine flag silks um, obviously, disastrous scenes going over there in Eastern Europe right now. So if Liz Nagarska does win, it will be a great story. Uh, I'm going to stick with Classical Dream. I, I probably will actually sit this one out from a punting perspective, but I'm tipping Classical Dream. He's won on heavy ground in France, though I'm not convinced he actually wants it this deep. I'm saying this as if I know it's going to be heavy ground. We're yet to find out on the new course what, what the conditions are going to be like tomorrow. Um, but I think he's the best horse in the race when he puts it all together. Not guaranteed to do that, but uh, I'm going to take my chance on Classical Dream. Now let's move on to the Naps and Next Best. This is what everyone wants to hear, Ross. Go, go for it. Give us your Naps and Next Best. So my nap uh, is in the Mayor's Novice, uh, Dino Blue. Um, I think if the ground is softish, and I, I think it will probably be soft, or certainly on the soft side of good, uh, I think she's going to take all the, all the beach. And she was visually very impressive last time. I'm very keen on her. And then my next best is in the Kim Muir. Um, I will just give a mention. He's not my selection, but I'll give a mention to Elegant Escape. We've spoken about uh, finding the best jockeys. He's got a young jockey up, uh, Thomasina Easton. She's really impressed me. She's she's relatively inexperienced, got plenty of experience in point to points. She's rode a good couple of winners from Brian Eckley, claimed seven pounds. She's a very, very bright girl. She rode in an amateur race at Champ at the start of the season, and she stood out for me that she positioned herself very cleverly. So although she's like an experience, Ellen Escape, first time blinkers on, seven pound uh, amateur on board, She's she's better than than her reputation, possibly. But I'm sticking with Glenn Lowe. He's got Barry O'Neill on. Uh, I think the softer ground will suit. He's on a on a attractive mark. And I, I tipped him up on the uh, previous podcast and I'm going to stick with him. 
Oh, in the Kim Muir, Glenn Lowe is currently 16 to 1. Dino Blue, your nap is 9 to 4 with SBK in the Mayor's Novices Hurdle. Interesting you've put her up. She's only had one start, but one on heavy ground. So I can set, definitely see the case there. She could be the standout in that race, though she's not my selection. I'm with uh, stable companion Grand G. My nap, however, is also in the Kim Muir, like your next best, and it's Frontal Assault. He's currently 6 to 1 with SBK. I think this is a plot with Gordon Elliott again, Jigginstown. I, mean, I don't want to hear them talk in the, in the post-race interview, but I think it might happen. Um, Rob James takes the ride. Rob James and Gordon Elliott were both banned um, last year. So this could be an interesting storyline if, if Frontal Assault wins. He's been running over inadequate trips, two mile five furlongs on, qu on quickish ground. Good, good to yielding ground. He needs soft ground. His previous grade three victory came on heavy ground. I think he's going to get that here. Perfect conditions. He looks uh, well worth being the nap on Thursday. My next best is Dunboyne, another for Gordon Elliott. He had a, an okay day today, Gordon Elliott. I think he'll have a good day tomorrow. He's currently 8-1 to one for the Potemps final at 2-10. Now, I love this race. Uh, this is the race that I target from some way out. Side of Burley landed a nice touch in 2018. Um, I've had a bit of a drought since then. The last three years have been, you know, touch and go. But uh, I'm hoping that Dunboyne will be the one this year. And back to Manta Post when he finished fifth in the brilliant qualifier that everyone loves at Leopardstown over Christmas. Last time out, I thought Jack Kennedy uh, got him in a lot of trouble. Let's, let's, let's just say that. There was a bad mistake, two out. He got short of room on the bend, chopped off again. He finished nowhere, and I thought that was it. Game over. He wasn't even going to make the final. Luckily, he scrapes in his number 24 of 24. Well-weighted off just 10 stone four. I think he's well-handicapped and should run a big race. Now, before we go, um, I should tell you the offer for the third day in a row. And if you watched the previous two episodes, you will already know this offer. Um, but it's for new customers. Deposit £10 and you get £50 in free bets. New customers, as I say, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Ross and I'll be back again for the finale, the fourth episode of the SBK Daily Channel Festival podcast with some reflections on day three and looking ahead towards day four. It's the Gold Cup. In the meantime, be lucky. Be lucky.